We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Greetings, Tarnished, and welcome to this week's episode of the Elden Archives, a FromSoft lorecast from the Robots Radio Rocket Club. I'm Gatsu. And I'm AK Spartan. And we're here to talk about the shattering of the Elden Ring. Now, we wanted to be specific with what exactly we were discussing this week. As, I mean, I know personally, the shattering can also be used to refer to the shattering war. It got super confusing for me when I was playing the game. And uh, just the general history of the land between. Yeah, no, I, I, I definitely, I know exactly what you're talking about. The, the, the shattering... Uh, is a term in in the history of the lands between an Elden Ring lore that gets attributed to multiple things here. And so we, like you said, Gatsu, we are specifically talking about the shattering of the Elden Ring this week. We are not talking about the shattering war that follows. And actually, if you were to try to look up the shattering and find a wiki or something like that, Based on our research, there's actually only a wiki for the shattering war. There's a little snippet on the shattering of the Elden Ring within that, but there's actually not much on the shattering of the Elden Ring itself. There are a lot of theories out there, a lot of YouTube videos, things like that of the sort. There's been a lot of discussion, of course, this game. This game has a lot of fan theories, and this has been, you know, the lore of this game is very ambiguous, so there's been a lot of hot-button discussions and things like that. But in the typical From Software nature, things are not always meant to be easily interpreted. Multiple meanings can be placed on the same things, which can lead to mix-ups, which is why, you know, guys like you and I are even able to do a show like this where we try to parse some of this out, kind of put things, you know, put things in proper place. We talked about the shattering a little bit last week as we talked about the Knight of Black Knives and how the Knight of Black Knives was is, is widely seen as a catalyst for the Shattering, both the Shattering War and the Shattering of the Elden Ring, but the Shattering of the Elden Ring more so because the Shattering of the Elden Ring preceded the Shattering War. What did we get into last week a little bit on the Shattering as we were talking about the Knight of Black Knives? I'm glad you asked. Last week... We talked about the Night of the Black Knives and the implications the event had on the land between and its inhabitants. Now, this chain of events set in motion a bunch of things, um, it, but it ultimately led to the shattering, which was an event we saw Queen America destroy the Elden Ring, in, I believe, in the um, opening cinematic for the game. And then Radagon of the Golden Order attempting to repair it. Which, uh, when I saw that, I thought that that was Merica. Just kind of like getting like the sparks like illuminating her hair. But having played the game now, I definitely understand that it's 100% rad again. Yeah, well, and, and I, again, I, I think the opening cinematic is supposed to kind of lead you the wrong way. The, the only thing that made me certain that 
it was Merica and Radigan both in the opening cinematic is and and we have this in our script here is there's uh there's actually an item description from the game for a weapon uh known as Mer- uh, a unique weapon Merica's hammer which uh, states that, uh, and this is the quote, so the weapon is a stone hammer made in the lands of the Newman, outside of the lands between, the tool with which Queen Merica shattered the Elden Ring and Radigan attempted to repair it. The hammer partially broke upon shattering the ring, becoming splintered with rune fragments. So, I mean, I mean, we have an item description from the game itself, from a weapon in the game itself. A weapon directly named Merica's Hammer that states that Merica used this specific weapon to destroy the Elden Ring or shatter the Elden Ring, and Radigan attempted to use it to repair it. So I, I think that uh, you know, as like like we've said a couple of times, in typical FromSoft fashion, you kind of have to dig a little bit. But that item description alone seems like a pretty definitive answer on what we're seeing in the opening cinematic and what is happening in that instance of the shattering of the Elden Ring occurring. Listening to you read off that description, specifically talking about the hammer, kind of poses a question for me, that's kind of been stirring in the back of my mind for a bit now. Do you think that the hammer being specifically stated by not only the wiki, but then also the in-game description, being from the lands outside of the lands between, do you think that had an impact on America's ability to shatter the Elden Ring? I, I do wonder, I, I do think it's an interesting detail that it's emphasized that the weapon came from outside of the lands between. I, I've also thought to myself that um, because because we know that Merica ascended to godhood, that's established uh, through lore that we find out in game, the player character can be made aware of that. And Merica ascended to godhood. We also know through things like we had mentioned a little bit last week in the Night of the Black Knives and thing episode and things that we had talked about with Ronnie, uh, uh, Lunar Princess Ronnie, that only Empyreans can ascend to godhood. The only Empyreans that we know about in the game are Merica, Melania, Mikola, and Ronnie. So, I do think there's something there. I wonder if it could be a combination of Merica being from outside of the lands between having an artifact from outside the lands between. And on top of that, being an Empyrean, it almost seems like maybe there was a perfect storm of things here that came to pass that allowed Merica the ability to do things that even the greater will could not anticipate. I agree with you, which then leads to her being imprisoned in the earth tree. But I, I wanted to, to ask you another question, just kind of leading off the heels of the last one. Who, who is creatively responsible for the shattering? No, yeah, I, cause we talked about that a little bit last week too. I, I, we, we made a big point in the Night of Black Knives episode to establish that we both thought that the Night of the Black Knives was written and created by, or well, creatively orchestrated by George R. R. Martin. And we also thought that the, uh, the 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 time the 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 night of the black knives and the shattering marked the transition period where FromSoft and Miyazaki and the FromSoft team took over the story 
and the creative design and the, you know, the, the, the kind of control of things and the narrative of Elden Ring. And George R. R. Martin's influence sort of faded and he was no longer playing a part because we know, as we said last week, that George R. R. Martin was responsible for the mythos and kind of the backstory of the lands between things that happened long ago, not things that you see in the game. And then there was also, there's been some interviews uh, with Miyazaki where he has mentioned that they started their monster design. Uh, and we actually have a clip from, or a snippet from one of these interviews that we're going to go, uh, we have in a script that we're going to go into a little bit later on in more detail, but something I just want to highlight now uh, while we're talking about this, is that um, part of the quote, the direct quote from Miyazaki says that uh, there are several themes to the enemy designs. One main theme of the main bosses of the game in particular are that they are essentially demigods, characters who are written again by George R. R. Martin, and they inherited the mad tainted power of the Elden Ring shards once it was shattered. We wanted to depict these beings as not just creatures and horrible monsters, but having an element of heroism and an element of mythology to them. Essentially, they're the old gods of this world. I think that just the fact that Miyazaki has so many thoughts on how they took the monster design from the shattering and, 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 and tried to base it on what, what these things, I think that to me indicates that this was the part that from software became really hands on with this aspect of the, of the creative design. I definitely agree with you. Um, there's a definite shift from the story between George R. R. Martin in the backstory and then the shattering and the shattering war. And that's more from soft. But uh, I also wanted to kind of touch up on the myth, mythological inspiration too. I okay. Yeah. 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 What, what are you thinking? I personally believe that there's a, a vague similarity between elements of the shattering with Godwin, the golden firstborn of Queen America favorite child being assassinated because I think there's a lot of similarities between those events and the events of Ragnarok or what leads up to Ragnarok in the Norse mythology. With the with sure. the uh the, the death of Balder. Yeah, okay. So you're familiar. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. And how they're both both Balder and Godwin, favored children, believed to be previously unkillable or immortal, then to be assassinated, causing a war to break out between here and the land between and there in uh, Asgard. Yeah, both both of which are uh, Ragnarok and and the Shattering War, kind of both being seen as uh, apocalyptic events in their respective mythologies. No, I, I I definitely see I, I definitely see what you're talking about there. Going off of that, I wanted to circle back around to the wiki and pull a quote about uh, America. Which the wiki states, the Night of the Black Knives became the catalyst for the ensuing shattering, which in these terms, we're talking about the shattering of the Elden Ring, not the shattering war. 
In response to Godwin's death, his mother, Queen America Eternal, shattered the Elden Ring using her hammer, after which Radigan, America's consort and second Elden Lord, attempted to repair it using the same hammer, but was unsuccessful. And then as punishment for her trespass, America was imprisoned within the Erdtree despite her godhood. Through Radigan opposed his, though, excuse me, though Radigan opposed his wife's treachery, he would also be given the same punishment as he and America were a single being. Consequently, the shattering of the Elden Ring corrupted the Golden Order, resulting in the lands between falling to to ruin. That's the one snippet that we were able to find on the shattering of the Elden Ring, not the shattering war. Yeah, yeah, from the uh, from the like we were saying at the beginning of the episode, there was the the one subsection from the shattering war wiki essentially that did discuss specifically just the shattering of the Elden Ring. That's what Gatsu just read. And I do think so the biggest thing I want to look at from that is the the mention the direct mention that Radagon is also being punished even though he opposed his wife's treachery because they were a single being because we also, so anybody who has played Elden Ring and has gotten to the end of the game. Now I, I will say this again. I, I Gatsu and I are not worried about spoilers. The game has been out for a very long time and we are doing a lore dive show. If you are, you know, listening to a lore dive show, you obviously want the lore, you want the stories, you don't want us filtering everything for potential spoilers, especially when, like I said, the game's been out for a, a pretty decent amount of time now. So I will just say, when you get to the very end of the game or even halfway through the game and you have your first chance or, you know, your final chance to approach the Erd Tree, you see Radigan's seal barring you from entry or until you, you know, reach the, uh, the forge of the giants, uh, you do see Radigan seal blocking the door that coupled with the notion that Radigan is also being punished makes me wonder and want to ask you Gatsu, if you think that like, because I think to me that reads like Radigan is also has, has almost been enthralled and he's been forced. And, and we even see, but uh, right before the uh, the fight with the Elden Beast, Radigan's body itself is turned into the weapon of the Elden Beast. So coupling that with everything I just said, to me, it feels like like Radigan's punishment is almost that he's going to be a tool forever. I wholeheartedly agree with you. You almost took the words out of my mouth. I mean, the the scene plays out like this in my head. Radigan and Merica being almost two opposing forces, one wanting separation from the greater will at this point. They've lost faith in its its word, its all of it. They want to be separated, so they want to shatter it. The other wants to preserve the golden order and serve the greater will. There's a massive conflict inside one vessel thus creating a split, which you can clearly see they're now two separate, like you said, separate beings, one being suspended, um, imprisoned and hanging America. And then you find you fight Radigan at the very end, but he's like fractured 
both are actually fractured and kind of broken, which that raises a lot of questions in, in my mind, at least. But you do see both of them. So the idea that Radigan is kind of more of the servant of the greater will was taken over by the greater will as, like you said, uh, like a tool. Maybe a vessel that matter. (laughs) I'm just, I'm just, we will technically maybe searching America's. I'm just, I'm just messing around a little bit, but, (laughs) but you, after defeating Radigan, I mean, the Elden Beast comes out of him. So I feel like that's the evidence you need that the greater well was manipulating America through him. No, yeah, I, I, I totally, I totally agree with you. I, I definitely feel like we're on the same page here. It's almost like you, you, uh, you would almost say that uh, Radigan uh, seems like he's been tainted uh, by by the presence of the Elden, Elden Beast and the Greater Will, which kind of brings me to one of the other things I wanted to talk about because. Aside from the impact of the shattering of the Elden Ring and the punishments to Merica and Radigan, another outcome of the, at least in our opinion, uh, of the shattering of the Elden Ring was the dispersal of the shards of the Elden Ring and the tainting of the other demigods. And part of why, so part of why we believe this is how this went down, because there's a couple conflicting theories online about this. But if you look at the opening cinematic, there's a direct quote from the opening. And this is not the story trailer, the opening cinematic of the actual of the base game. And it says, now, Queen America the Eternal is nowhere to be found. And in the night of the Black Knives, Godwin the Golden was first to perish. Soon, America's offspring, demigods all, claimed the shards of the Elden Ring. The mad taint of their newfound strength triggered the shattering. Now, the shattering at the end of that description, to just be super clear here, in our opinion, is referencing the shattering war. The newfound taint of the or the mad taint of the newfound strength triggered the shattering war. So just to be very clear here to me, and uh, I, I mean, guys, you correct me if I'm wrong here, but we were talking a little bit before the show. To, to, to me, it definitely seems like the Elden Ring being shattered by America, the shattering of the Elden Ring, is what dispersed the shards of the Elden Ring that were later found by the demigods and therefore caused their eventual corruption and led to the shattering war. Yeah, I mean, which also to kind of complete the quote, it does go on the next line after that. After the mad taint of their newfound strength triggering the shattering, the narrator goes on to say, which I believe is Gideon Offnir, which that's not important, but he goes on to say, a war from which no lord arose. So again, Spartan, I definitely believe it is very clear we're talking about the shattering war here, which, like the quote says, The demigods found, by whatever means, they came across, they claimed the shards of the Elden Ring, which then transformed them into these monstrous malformities that they are now. Not 
necessarily in appearance, but well, well, no, mo- mo- mostly, mostly in, in appearance, appearance. Honestly, yeah, I, I mean, outside of outside of maybe what I mean, Melania. I, I mean, Radon. Radon has has been shaped in appearance, at least to some extent. Rikert has definitely been shaped in appearance. Um, but I, but I, I. I want to I want to summarize too. So so essentially what we believe based on this what we've discovered in research here. So the 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 Night of the Black Knives has been established as the catalyst for the shattering of the Elden Ring. But on top of that, the shattering of the Elden Ring and the, the dispersal of the shards of power from the Elden Ring when it was shattered led to the shattering war. So let me, I just want to say that one more time. So the Night of the Black Knives led to the shattering of the Elden Ring, which led to the shattering war. Again, you can kind of see why we said this was going to get a little redundant, why some of these terms can feel like they mean the same Yeah, there's a lot of shattering going on here. (laughs) Yeah, well, and actually, I want to go back to one more thing you said uh, earlier, too, because I think the... uh, as we've established the chain of events that we believe here and things like that, I want to rehit on that last quote that you made sure that you mentioned about the a war from which no Lord arose, because I think that is a clear indication to the accuracy of your assessment of the similarity to something like Ragnarok. A war from which no Lord arose sounds a lot to me like an apocalyptic event. Absolutely. I mean, it's very clear. No one wins from this situation. I think I said last episode, no one got what they wanted from that. The plot of the black knives. No one, no one's getting anything that they want in this story. Absolutely. Yeah. You, you, you definitely did. I remember you saying that last week and, and I definitely think you're right on that because I think, I think back to a game like dark souls three and a lot of the NPC quest lines in that game and how that was, or even dark souls two and, and, and just kind of like how, like that's, that's the from software way. Like you, there are a lot of monkeys paws in the, the quest lines here. There's a lot of thinking you got what you wanted and not actually getting it. There's a lot of, uh, thinking that your journey is over and realizing it's just beginning type of things. There's a lot, there's a lot of not happy endings and kind of going along with that. We mentioned earlier the article that we had found from IGN that uh, some of you might be familiar with. Uh, that was it was um, the official title was the the big uh, for anyone that might want to look it up. And we will link this too. we will link this uh, in the show notes. But uh, it was the Elden Ring, the big Hidetaka Miyazaki interview summer of gaming. This is from 2021. But this is where we've pulled some of our snippets from for this discussion. And there's a, a a larger quote here. So I've read part of this already, where uh, Miyazaki was discussing the how the uh, demigods are the old gods of this world, uh, this world being the lands between and things of that nature and such like that. But there's another part to that quote that I wanted to add. So after Miyazaki discussed how they were trying to uh, depict a bit of heroism and horrible monsterness to these transformations uh, resulting from the, the shards of power, there's another part of the quote where Miyazaki says, part of the design of these major characters is that in inheriting the shards of the Elden Ring, they each inherited a different power or element, so to speak, and each was twisted and warped in its own way, and it brought a tainted strength to 
each of them. They each fell to madness and fell to ruin in their own individual ways. So while there is heroic aspects and a mythological element to them, they're also going to have this very mad taint in this deep-seated ruin to them. We hope players enjoy discovering each of them for themselves. So, so that clearly indicates that I, I, I mean, I mean, this, what, to, to me, that says two things. One, this is, all these events are clearly happening over, like anytime I see something like they are the old gods of this world, it really tells me how many, how many centuries are supposed to have allegedly passed between, uh, potentially eons have passed between the events happening in the lands between. I mean, I mean, cosmically long time could be passing here. I mean, because like I said, we're talking about old gods of this world, but, but also the fact that I mean, it's supposed to be a deep-seated ruin. I mean, by the time that the player character finds these beings, it is supposed to be a deep-seated corruption where the taint that has been established by these shards of power is supposed to be so thorough that they're being described as having fallen to madness. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. I mean, the the madness is clear in in the in the game specifically my mind goes straight towards godric the crafted i mean he's gone crazy he's obsessed with the the act of grafting on limbs in order to make yourself augment yourself into being more pow- powerful um to the point where he's turned on his servants and he's he's Crafting them, he's turning them into these horrible monstrosities with multiple limbs, and they just scream and writhe in pain when you encounter them. It's very clear that they're no longer who they once represented. Yeah, I no, I definitely I definitely agree with you about Godric. I also I think I think I think the most about Reichert. In this situation, I, I, I mean, I, I, I know that might be the obvious one, um, but between the opening cinematic with the the the, the image of the snake devouring uh, the the uh, his head um, or what we believe to be his head, and then the boss fight itself, where you know we encounter him, you know, in all his snakeish glory, I I I I think that I mean we really are. I mean, and, and I, I like your example with Godric too because. I mean, Godric is of the golden lineage and the golden lineage, which at one point, you know, held the first Elden Lord and Godfrey also included Godwin the Golden. You know, the golden lineage has been reduced to such little, you know, power that the highest ranking member of the golden lineage when the tarnished shows up, when our tarnished shows up is 
being described as, you know, a no good country bumpkin by an NPC like Kenneth Height because he's so weak that, you know, he, he can't he can't do anything other than hide out in Stormvale. We we can find a gravestone that talks about how he was he had to sneak out of the capital because he was afraid of Radon and then he got his, you know, got absolutely devastated in battle by Melania and had to beg for his life. So I, I, the Golden Order has been has been tainted and crippled. You, uh, uh, the the demigods have been tainted and, and, and crippled. And and I I saw something. Well, I was researching this the other day that that really piqued my interest. And I I just want to throw it out as we're you know we're hitting our our you know topics here, but. There's a real chance that each one of these demigods, when we encounter them, is the weakest they've ever been. I 100% agree with you. And while we're still on the topic of Godric, who is the Lord of Stormvale, when you encounter Margit entering Stormvale, he greets you under false pretenses, posing as a different person. Because he's in fact Morgoth, the which you find him all the way in Landell, and he's way stronger. But it it just kind of solidifies your point. They're not who they used to be. They're all posing and like trying to come up with different ways of, in a sense, like becoming their old selves. Yeah, they're kind of still clutching to bits of power that might not be there anymore. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, okay, absolutely. And so, okay, I I, I have one last question I want to dive into, because it, it wouldn't be a proper episode about the shattering of the Elden Ring if we didn't get into a little discussion about what we thought America's motivations were, which I think is a really hot button issue. And And, and, and we've done research. We've pulled theories, but especially for something like this, uh, I, I really think it'd be good to put our own sauce on it. Because, I mean, from my perspective, I, I know we talked a little bit about this last week, but I posited last week, even during the Night of Black Knives episode, that I thought that there was a real chance here that Queen America actually was on not only was on board with the Night of the Black Knives, but was on board with the Night of the Black Knives and orchestrated the Night of the Black Knives to ensure that she could get away with and have a justification for the shattering of the Elden Ring. I I think, in my opinion, this entire the entire thing was a plot from America to free herself from the influence of the greater will. I think that America was the one that was uh, uh, under the servitude of the greater will the longest and the only other clear co-conspirator to the Night of the Black Knives that we have a clear uh, perpetrator, I guess I should say. I shouldn't say co- clear co-conspirator because we don't have a clear indication that America was involved. That is my theory. But the only clear perpetrator of the Night of the Black Knives that we know of is Ronnie, who also would have a very clear interest in getting rid of the greater will and the influence there, which I think Merica would have an interest in also. So I've laid out what I think, but, you know, as we're wrapping up here, what what do you think, Gassi? What I mean, what do you think some potential motivations for the shattering might be from Queen Merica? I definitely agree with you to a point. In saying that America's faith was wavering, it was crumbling as time went on. I mean, it's apparent in 
the quotes that Melina tells you at the first through fourth churches of America, directly from America herself, where you kind of get the sense of her telling the demigods, her children, to be strong, have faith in the golden order. If you don't, sorry, you might die to being eventually of the opinion that she's not so sure that the golden or the the greater will is as powerful as it poses to be. So you get that sense of she's already kind of questioning things where I kind of disagree with you. I think that Ronnie had this plan, but they didn't necessarily plan it together because I think there's a couple like, I don't want to say loose ends, but the, there is the fact that Ronnie directly tells you, I'm the one that stole the rune of death. I orchestrated this whole thing. And there's no other character, at least in my, at my experience playing the game, there's no other character that tells you outright, I did this. This is my doing. You know what I mean? Well, and that's exactly why I don't think she acted alone, because that's what From Software does. I mean, From Software, From Software is never going to tell you exactly what they're doing. That's that's kind of I mean, I mean, think of how many uh, not uh, just just to pull. Uh, I, I'm assuming anybody that's going to listen to an Elden Ring lore cast, at least now, maybe not, but may, probably has some experience with the uh, the Dark Souls trilogy. Uh, if not, I apologize for this. But uh, if so, just think about how many people. Uh, we're expecting to go to Londor and how much of that game was pointing to Londor and how much of that game discussed Londor and the importance of Londor. And we didn't go anywhere near Londor in the DLC. We did There was nothing that followed up on that. It was a complete false flag. Londor was not relevant at all. It, it had one ending attributed to it and there was nothing else there. But, but, but if you looked at the lore, from the game itself and what they were actually telling you in the edit, like Londor seems super important. I I wonder if there's not something there where Ronnie, like, I, cause you're absolutely right. Like, I don't think that there's any question that Ronnie and Rikard stole the rune of death. I don't think there's any question that Ronnie was involved in the night of the black knives, but I look at more of like, how, how did Ronnie get the idea? And, and, and why, why did America, see it as such a great opportunity to shatter the Elden Ring after the fact. Be- because because if there's one thing that I will say about what my thoughts on Queen Merrick are, because obviously we don't meet Merrick in game, but we hear her words a lot from from Melina. And we also hear about things that she oversaw and things that happened under her her rule, the different wars and different battles. And one thing that we definitely can establish is that she she was a very calculating tactician. And I have a hard time believing that someone that based on the the lore and what we know was as calculating and as uh forward thinking as America would be caught off guard and, 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 and would be so emotionally distraught that she would destroy the Elden Ring on impulse. Like it definitely feels like it was a motivated and designated action. And whether she was aware of Ronnie's plot or it was opportunistic, like you say, I'm not quite sure. I, I do think that I, I, I definitely see what you're saying. And I, and I, and I think that's an interesting notion that, that America maybe just took advantage 
advantage of Ronnie and and Ronnie's rebellious act. But to me, it really just feels like somebody pushed Ronnie in that direction. And while I obviously there's no proof of it because that's not what from software does to me, I do feel like that was America. And I definitely think you bring up a lot of good points. I mean, there's just so many questions that we won't know the answers to possibly until the DLC comes out, which. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, and and we hope that's soon. Oh, fingers crossed. Am I right? Yeah. Who knows? Who knows with with FromSoft? But <laughs> yeah. But I just wanted to kind of put a nightcap on that thought. Put it to sleep by saying, I do think it's possible for America to have been distracted because, at least from my perspective, she's been struggling for who knows how long. With Radigan being inside of her, two conflicting souls stuck in one vessel. And if you ask me, I mean, that could definitely be a little distracting. No, I, I no, I definitely think that's a, a a good point there. I mean, I, I I haven't thought too much about Radigan being used as a sort of like fog or like distracting presence. Uh, um against America before something like the night of the black knives or their imprisonment in the earth tree. And I, I think that's a really good point because I, I think that, I, I mean, we know that we believe that the night of the black knives led to the shattering of the Elden ring, which led to the shattering war. And we know that America and Radigan were both punished. And we also know that Radigan was against the shattering and tried to repair the ring and failed, but we don't necessarily know what Radigan's involvement was before any of this happened and, and, and how much of a factor he was in terms of America's thought processes, America's anything. I, I think you make a really good point there. Yeah. And I just, we'll never know at least until the DLC comes out, which hopefully, I mean, fingers crossed it comes out soon, but until, because I mean, who knows what from soft, could take a, a bit longer, but I mean, let me let me let me ask you let me ask you this let me ask you let me ask you this let me ask you a uh, before we wrap up this is not this is not shattering of the Elden Ring related this is this is DLC related but but while we have a couple seconds let me ask you do you think that shadows of the Erd Tree could actually mean that we might be meeting the actual uh, the the literal shadows? of Melania and Mikola because they are Empyreans and we know that Empyreans all have shadows. We meet Ronnie's shadow, Blyde. We meet Merica's shadow, Malkith. We have not met Mikola and Melania's shadow. What if shadows of the Erd Tree literally means the physical beings that are the shadows? I mean, you kind of opened up neural pathways there in my in my brain. I never thought about that connotation when it came to the DLC. I mean, there's a good chance. There's definitely a good chance. You like, you like it? I, I love it. Because, I mean, there's... Well, when also, in when you think about, too, the, the correlation and the comparison between the Earth Tree and the Halig Tree... I mean, you could almost say that the Haley tree is kind of like a shadow of the Yurt tree. It's like 
the opposite of it in a way. Yeah, yeah, that's kind of the reflection of it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no. So I definitely think you're on the something there with that thought, but so, so the I guess my last question then would be: so uh, if we're fighting the if we're meeting the shadows of Mikola or Melania, is that is that a four phase boss fight? I mean, I don't think Fromm's done that yet, but they've done three and they've got to step it up, right? They so that's a, that's a four-phase boss I, fight, right? It's it's a four-phase fight, right? It, it kind of has to be. I feel like there oh, no. almost might be like a, <laughs> a tag team element there, too. Oh, it's like an Ornstein and Smo four-phase. It's not only is it a four-phase fight, it's a it's a it's a two-on-one four-phase. Oh boy. Or maybe maybe not necessarily. I could see a situation where you face one of them. And then take them down a phase. Third phase is two of them, and then you have to finish with another final phase. So. Okay. Yeah. No. That would that would definitely that would, any of that would be chaotic. I can't. I. I don't like. I. 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 I'm. I'm not enjoying the thought of a four phase boss fight. But we. We will do it because that's what From expects us to do. Yep. That's what we but do no, as with, fans. <laughs> <laughs> we, we power but, through, right? Yeah. Absolutely. But with that, no, we're gonna wrap it up for this week. We. We've kind of stopped talking about the shattering of the Elden Ring. We gave you some thoughts there on some extra stuff. And as always, you can reach us at theeldenarchives at gmail.com. You can send us theories on what we've already talked about, suggestions for future episodes, any general comments you may have about the show. We are also on X. I'm going to keep calling it Twitter when I talk to people, but it is X now. Uh, you can follow the show at Elden Archives. You can follow either of us. I am at Elden Spartan. He is at Gatsu995. You can also find us on the Robots Radio Discord. You can hit us up there, chat with us, whatever. There's a lot of communities there that are cool. Don't forget to also check out other shows on the Robots Radio Network and don't miss our episode next week on Queen America the Eternals. So we're going to be diving more specifically into Queen America and, and things there. And then also next week, we are going to announce our January episode schedule. So we actually haven't finalized that yet, but I know we are both excited to announce that. So other than that, I mean, Gasu, you got anything else as we wrap it up? No, I think you pretty much about summed it up. Uh, this has been an exciting episode for sure. I'm definitely looking forward to next week's episode, which... If you any uh any 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 teaser ideas for next month any anything that uh is on your short list that we might not have uh, eliminated yet from our ideas my short list I definitely want to dive a little bit deeper uh into the story of Ronnie uh it's it's definitely it's something that I've researched independently on my own outside of this show. As I remember, I had to, I did a lot of footwork when doing her quest for the, uh, the Age of the Stars ending. So I'm just really excited to kind of, uh, show off my, my nerd muscles here a bit and, and kind of go deep into her story. So I, I, I gotta be honest. I think, I think that's a very good idea. I, I, I'm I obviously we haven't announced anything for next month yet, but it, it seems pretty likely that will be on the uh, that will be on the, the four episode stretch for January. Other than that, that is our time. Thank you all. Of course, this has been the Elden Archives. And as always, we will see you all at the foot of the Earth Tree.
How well do you know your video game lovers? Have you ever wondered how your video game bays stack up against all the other delectable digital dates? I'm Genesis, the girl whose motto in life is love, laugh, tequila. And on Two Girls, One Ship, we analyze, rate, and review all that the world of video game romances has to offer. And I'm Vervada, the hopeless romantic cat lady and lifelong gamer. But you should know that our podcast centers on character and romance analysis and doesn't shy away from exploring the fun of physical connection. Or from the deep emotional connections built between two characters, using specific in-game dialogue and the overall narrative journey. So join the two girls, one ship, shipsters, and remember, beauty is in the eye of the controller.